Good morning to you and yours. It is Sunday, October 16th at 10.20 a.m. I am uh, recording from a remote location, uh, far away from the normal Boiled Sports uh, Central Indiana headquarters. Uh, but I'm, I'm deep in uh, SEC country, which I do every year with my family. Uh, so I was not able to attend a sellout game in Rossade, another sellout in Rossade, with many of you. Um, and I apologize for missing out. I even had a couple boiled sports uh, staffers were there, and I missed out on the game. Uh, I've, I've, I've talked to a couple people that were, that were on the ground there in Rossade. It looked like an electric um, atmosphere on TV, and they all corroborated that. So before I get too deep into it, let me thank our sponsors. Thanks to Martin Vintage. Head over to martinvintage.com. Get a T-shirt. Enter boiled at checkout. Get 15% off. Buy your products from Purdue Family. There's nothing better than that. And uh, get a comfortable T-shirt that uh, shows off a little bit in the process, martinvintage.com. And then, of course, next time you're in town uh, for a Purdue game, Head over to AJ's on Vine, uh, AJ's.com, if you want to order ahead before you before you actually get to the stadium. But if you don't want to tailgate and you just want to enjoy a good place, I suggest AJ's. They've got TVs. They've got good food. They've got a bunch of beers on tap, 20-plus beers on tap uh, last time I checked. And uh, you're going to have a good time. You're going to have a good time. they got good staff there, another Purdue family. Uh, a couple Purdue families actually own that place, and uh, you can't go wrong. Eat AJ's.com. But... Um, yeah, it was. That's a fun game. Purdue improves to five and two on the season uh, by beating Nebraska forty-three to thirty-seven. It's a big game for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, probably my favorite is um, Nebraska's coach a week ago said he was really looking forward to seeing a sellout crowd because they know something about sellouts and they won't be intimidated. They may not have been intimidated, but they noticed you guys, uh, Purdue faithful, um, as you uh, got in their head a little bit because I couldn't help but notice them trying to shush the crowd over and over. So Purdue's faithful, a legit sellout. Uh, uh, they were loud. They were raucous. They were in the heads and in the ears and in the faces of Nebraska's players and maybe helped Purdue get over the, over the top there. Purdue wins another one-score game this season. They're now... Uh, four and two in one-score one games. It's a pretty incredible stat in itself. Uh, the only comfortable win coming against Indiana State. It's pretty tough as a Purdue fan if you're like me and you see, wow, this Purdue team looks like they're a couple touchdowns better than the opponent. And yet, almost every game comes down to the last possession. I don't want to cry over, um, over delicious chocolate milk. Because this isn't spoiled milk. This is a pretty nice position for Purdue to be in, but... It feels to me like the play calling in the middle quarters continues to be a problem. If I'm going to get after one person, it's going to be Jeff Brom. Um, and I don't understand the play calling in the second and third quarters because it's a different game in the fourth quarter. When it's on the line and Purdue needs scores, Brom can dial up plays. I keep saying that. Um, and Purdue, in their scripted plays, is incredible at driving the ball down the field. Also, uh, another big advantage I think that Purdue has. Well, Charlie Weiss used to say, will have a uh, schematic advantage. Purdue legitimately does. Yet, in second and third quarters, they, they seem to struggle uh, in putting a game away and making it comfortable. And there's multiple problems there. One, the play calling's tough on offense. But the other thing that continues to happen, and this is something that looks like it's not going to go away to me, defensive backfield breakdowns are a killer for this Purdue team. 
Um, Nebraska's big, strong, tough receiver, uh, Palmer, had seven receptions, 237 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Um, a couple of those happened so quickly that I was talking to my family. We're watching the game on TV. Um, and as I'm watching the game, we're kind of discussing what just happened, a great play, what it, regardless of which one it was. And before we even know it, Nebraska scored again. Um, I think it had happened twice. Um, Purdue really didn't have an answer for Palmer all day. In spite of, I think, Trice seems to be an NFL type of cornerback in his body style, his strength, uh, his speed at times. Uh, Purdue didn't have an answer for Palmer. And part of the reason, Chris Jefferson was out, uh, mental health uh, concerns on his own part, kept him out of the game. And I hope he gets better, whatever he needs to do to get better. But uh, it matters. When a guy like Jefferson isn't playing, it matters. Um, Jeff Brom said after the game, Purdue's poise, his team's poise, their toughness was the real difference at the end of the game. Um, and it continues to be the difference at the end of the game. Another thing that was different, again, speaking of Jeff Brom's ability to dial up good plays, Purdue's ability to execute the offense, ability to, to make things happen, Purdue went for it on fourth down, I think, twice in the game. They executed both times. Both times were near the center of the field. But one of the biggest plays of the game was Purdue's last drive when Brom called, uh, it looked like double cross routes underneath uh, to Jones and, and Payne Durham. And they crossed, and uh, if you watch the play, it kind of falls apart. You can't figure out why. Uh, Purdue decided to pass instead of run against Nebraska. If you were watching, as Purdue looked like they were going to run, they would put seven guys in the box, and they would pretty much dare Purdue um, to pass. And Purdue did a pretty good job running the, get the ball still in those situations. But on fourth down, I think Brom has an immense amount of trust. I had a guy on Twitter ask me, why are they passing this situation? I can tell you why they're passing this situation, because Brom trusts Aiden O'Connell to make the right read and the right pass. Um, and I'm going to revisit that point in a second. But on this particular play, this fourth down, Durham and uh, Jones are underneath double crosses and um, a double cross. I guess it's a single crossing route because it's two. I don't know. I don't know how you say it. Crossing route underneath. Both Purdue players are tackled uh, without the ball, without any attention to block, just tackled. Uh, both of them were down on a knee after the game, after the play, pardon me, because they didn't think they'd get tackled because they didn't have the ball. Uh, they're just running crosses. It crosses about three yards down the field. Just Hit hard and tackled. Of course there's no penalty because the Big Ten officials are doing exactly what Big Ten officials always do. And O'Connell made an incredible read of the situation. He saw there was this place. He stepped up in the pocket first, <clears throat> went left, and then he went and made the first down. Incredible play. Purdue gets the first down. He gets up, looks around. His two best receiving options are still down on the ground. I think Jones stayed on his back for a second. Durham was on a knee. They both were hit hard. And that's completely garbage play. A smart play by Nebraska's coaches to say, yeah, take it away however you need to. Dare the officials to make the call because they're not going to do it. And, of course, they didn't. <clears throat> pretty pretty lackluster crap from the Big Ten officiating crew that, like people say on Twitter and you guys may say in person, um, you've come to understand this is what Big Ten officials do. Of course, this is what they do. But at the same time, it doesn't make it any right or any easier to swallow. <laughs> So let's go over a couple key points. Of course, I said that fourth down conversion was huge. Um, an amazing play by O'Connell. A great read. Purdue's offensive line actually did its job flawlessly on that play. Um, another big aspect of the game. In the first half, Purdue had four sacks. And I think two or three of them were in the same possession by Nebraska. One nearly caused a turnover. Nebraska quarterback was hit. 
Ball went up in the air. Purdue couldn't get on, couldn't jump on the ball, but nearly got the um, uh, the fumble. And the other thing, Purdue had two great interceptions, and I said great. The the play on the ball, extremely athletic. One was by Washington. One was by Reese Taylor. Um, just acrobatic catches, and they made a big difference. Nebraska had uh, Nebraska had uh, two interceptions. Of course, Purdue uh, O'Connell had O'Connell had gave up one. He threw a ill-advised pass in the corner of the end zone, the, the opening drive. Purdue drove right down the field. Maccabee was tearing Nebraska apart. And I don't know if it was to give him a break that they went deep and took the shot. Um, but uh, O'Connell throws an ill-advised pick in the corner of the end zone into double coverage. Uh, Nebraska makes the play. That's the one one catch. Um, and if you're going to say what, what really is the difference maker in this game, I would have to say Purdue's two interceptions are the difference maker and the thing that really were the difference in the game. Um, uh, Purdue's defensive backfield continues to have massive lapses, like I, like I said earlier, I alluded to earlier, um, and Nebraska just got chunks of yardage on these lapses. That doesn't look like it's going away to me. We've talked about this before. Even if Jefferson were there, there still would have been maybe not as many lapses because I think Jefferson's very, very good, and he's a ball hawk, and he's a guy that likes to turn it the other way like all Purdue's defensive backs. But specifically, guys like Cam Allen, I, I love Cam Allen. I think he's at times incredible. And at other times, I'm like, what just happened? Uh, on one play where Purdue's playing a zone, Cam Allen picks this guy up very, very late, and he's just playing catch-up, and Nebraska's receivers are athletic. It, it's, it's a head-scratcher that Nebraska's been as bad as they have for as long as they have. Um, Scott Frost did some amazing things to do less with more than about anybody in, a, in the nation. Nebraska fans made a note that Purdue's never going to see receivers like Nebraska this season or any other time. That's a foolish statement. Purdue's played good receivers. They just have a hard time staying in front of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, they have they have athletes. They have guys on the outside. They've got good running backs. They've got big guys on the inside. Brom talks about every year how good these guys are at, um, at being physical, being athletic. Nebraska just has, has horses. What else you can say it? Um, but Purdue comes away with a big victory. It's a huge deal. Let me look at some stats real quickly. I haven't really analyzed these. I like to make it a bit of a surprise. I watched uh, uh, Coach Brom's postgame uh, comments. One thing that he said that I thought was awesome, nothing we, we should talk about, is Aiden O'Connell's ability to make passes, his confidence in his arm. The long, the long shot down that left side in the first half is a, is a, is a dumb, ill-advised pass. There's no doubt. And I think he would say that too. But he made a pass to Charlie Jones, and Brom talked about this in the postgame, but he made a pass to Charlie Jones. Jones, I think, was in the slot on the left side, simple out route. He hadn't even come, hadn't even turned to come out of his route all the way. And O'Connell threw it to a spot that literally is extremely dangerous, extremely risky, and an incredible touch pass. He put it right in the place where nobody else could get to it other than Charlie Jones, and it was a touchdown for Brew. Um, Charlie Jones' ability to find the ball quickly and catch it is is an underrated skill that maybe many Purdue fans don't understand just how tough it is to do that. If you've never played football in full pads, or if you've ever played any back football, backyard football, try it sometime, where you have a person say, throw it to a spot, and I'm going to turn and find it. But you stay in your route. Run your route. Even if you're slow and old, try it. Run your route. Keep your eyes downfield. Don't indicate to the fake defensive back you're going into. Run it. Turn. And if that ball's right there, try to catch it let alone try to catch it with it coming out of uh, somebody's hands very fast. 
Aiden O'Connell doesn't throw a fireball very often. And generally when he does it, he'll throw it in the middle to try to keep it away from the linebacker. He'll throw it down low to Payne Durham, who has to make some tough catches. But he tries to throw it away from the linebacker in those cases. And you'll see, wow, he just threw a fastball, right? He doesn't throw a lot of fastballs. On that play to uh, Jones, he didn't throw a fastball. He just threw a ball in a window literally about this big, about 20 yards away because it was on the outside of the play. And he put it in an impossible spot for anybody to get to except for Jones. The bad thing, the scary thing, is if you have a really good defensive back who his head is turned around, he's looking at the quarterback instead of looking at the receiver, he could take that thing to the house from the other, uh, no, nobody in front of him, right? That it's just, it's just green grass all the way to the other end zone. But uh, AOC makes those plays, and those are big-time pro, th pro throws. So let's look at these uh, stats a little bit. We'll dig in a little bit. I'm uh, about 12 minutes in, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this. Aiden O'Connell, like I said, finishes 35 of 54, 391 yards, uh, four touchdowns and an interception. So 65, just under 65% uh, completion rate. Uh, solid day for O'Connell. He looks like himself. Um, still not completing the, the passes at a high rate, um, but uh, not as high as we saw last year. Maybe not quite as accurate as he was last year, but David Bell will make things a lot better on a quarterback, as we all know. He doesn't have that this year. Of course, the biggest story, my game ball, the boiled sports game, that game ball goes to Devin Mockaby. 30 carries, 178 yards, and a touchdown. He looked nearly unstoppable when he was in there. I think the hardest thing Mockaby has to deal with right now is being 180 pounds, being a, not in the greatest shape, uh, be, not because he's not working hard. It's because it's hard to get in game shape, and it takes time and it takes age to, to become that type of physical presence he's not quite there great game by Maccabee though uh, like Brom calls him crazy legs he really looked that part so um, so anyway so uh, Maccabee fins with, finishes with a 30 30 carries 178 yards getting loud here at the house that we're sharing um, uh, Charlie Jones is best of all receivers 12 receptions 132 yards two touchdowns and uh, Jalen Graham leads all, the whole team with six tackles um, one sack, um, those four sacks were huge. Jack Sullivan had another big one. Uh, Branson Dean had a sack, and, of course, uh, Kedron uh, Jenkins. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. So that's about all I got for you today. I'm going to probably cut, uh, cut it off because what happens when you stay at a vacation home with a bunch of your family, it's getting loud here, and the, the, the noise is getting closer and closer. Steve Kendall uh, tunes in. It's uh, that's my uncle. Uh, he says, uh, I don't know what he, I don't know. He says, board shorts. Am I wearing board shorts? Not yet. Not yet, but they'll be on soon. So I'll send pictures. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thanks to my uncle Steve for tuning in. And um, uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, another big win. Purdue heads to Wisconsin. Jeff Brom looks to get rid of another, not just a Jeff Brom demon, but a program demon as he tries to beat Wisconsin in Madison as, Ma as Wisconsin comes off of a, uh, a heartbreaking loss uh, to Michigan State in overtime, a game they look like they had locked up. A lot of games like that in college football yesterday. So um, Michael Hogg asked the question, when is the handsome hour? Well, Michael, let me tell you, we never know. Um, honestly, we don't plan anything. We don't have plans. We try to do that, and they don't ever work. So... Uh, just know we'll try to get it done as soon as we can. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to because of the schedule here around this this house that we're all staying in. Um, but we will try to have a handsome hour probably in the next two days. I guess Monday or Tuesday we'll try to try to record a live one for you and yours. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, 
the Boilers are in great position. They have guaranteed a 3-1 and one October, which was the thing that I said was the key to a special season, um, in my opinion, that 3-1 and one October, because Brom teams get better by November generally, and that's going to be the rule again this year because they just start to gel. We saw Yassine come out of uh, out of injury yesterday. He didn't he? Didn't have the most productive day. Um, in fact, he had a couple plays where it looked like he turned the wrong way, and he and AOC weren't quite on the same page. But make no bones about it, Yassine is a big time player, and he's a guy that can be a difference maker for this Purdue offense if he can get on the same page of a- as AOC, and I think he will. That would be another option, another place to spread it around, and. O'Connell will have the ability to, to throw it to 10 receivers um, again, which he's already done. He did it last week. That's a big deal for this Purdue offense, and I still think they can put it all together. Yesterday, it was pretty close to having one of those games where the offense was completely clicking. I would say it really wasn't still, even with that many points, even with 43 points. Uh, hard to believe when you say 43 points isn't an offense clicking, and it really wasn't. Uh, they weren't They weren't all the way there. Um, but... Um, one more point, and Michael Hogg brings this up again. Um, it's a great point. Um be had 115 yards in the first half alone. An incredible, incredible first half. Um, he was just so effective. And um, that, will, that will fatigue a guy who's not used to that uh, pounding. But to me, it was pretty obvious when you watch. Uh, and whenever I say something positive about one Purdue player, I'm not putting down the other guy. I'm just saying this guy is different. Uh, Maccabee is different. Um, his ability to hit a hole harder and quicker than any Purdue back that's in the stable right now seems pretty apparent to me. Um, and he looks like a guy who's, who's a big, big-time player. So that's about it. Have a great day. Hammer down. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.